You can have a seat. You know, this is an exciting time in the life of Taylorville Christian Church. There's so much going on, new things that are happening, programming that's beginning, and, and I'm excited about what's happening. We just began a few weeks ago a program called Married People. You probably heard a little bit about that, but we've had, I don't know, 20, 22 couples gather in the fellowship hall each week just for the, the, the specific purpose of strengthening their marriages. Not that each marriage was in crisis, but just that each couple wanted to make it a stronger marriage. And this is going to continue in the life of our church. And even if you weren't involved in that small group, I invite you to pay attention to the things that are coming up and be involved in that so that your marriage can be stronger as well. We believe that marriages are so important in families and in parenting, and we are committed to making marriages stronger. You've also seen that just in a few weeks, we'll begin our Beyond Churchwide Study. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but, but the point of the beyond study is that sometimes we put limits on God and we limit what God can do in our lives and we want to move beyond those limitations because God has has opened up so much more than sometimes we imagine I'll come back to that in just a few minutes that all begins though October 6th also October 6th as I mentioned earlier is invite your one this is an opportunity for every single one of us to think about someone or maybe a couple in their lives who, who you know needs to know more about Jesus. Maybe they've never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity for you to invite them to be with us at church, to have an opportunity to learn more about who Jesus is. Or maybe you know somebody who, who follows Jesus, but they don't have a church home. They don't have people who surround them and care for them. You can invite those people as well. But again, if you'd like to, it'd be great if you'd put that name or just initial or neighbor or whatever on the banner so that we can encourage one another in that. These people, just like us, need to know God, and we want to encourage them to do so. So we've got married people. We've got the Beyond Churchwide Study. We've got Invite Your One. We've got our worship schedule that's just changed. All of these things going on in the life of our church right now. And so when I began to think about all the transitions we were making, I thought, you know, this is the perfect time for us to go back to basics, to rethink what it means for us to be a church that loves God and loves others. That's our mission. That's what we want to accomplish together. And how do we do that? Through a very simple strategy to gather, grow, and go. And last week we talked about gathering for worship. What takes place in this room when we come together to lift up the name of Jesus? That's the first component of our strategy. The second is to grow. We know that we need to grow in our faith. And how do we do that? I want us to think more about that today. And then next Sunday we'll think about go. And that's how do we reach people? Invite your one is a perfect opportunity to do just that. So we'll think about that next Sunday. But today... We're thinking about growing in our faith. You know, as we think about that, it reminds me that there are lots of times in my life when uh, there's, there's things that I think I, I know something about, right? Maybe you do too. Things that I've paid attention to during my life. Maybe I've read something about, and even though I might not call myself an expert, I think I know more than most people do. You know, as a kid, I grew up in Atlanta. I watched the terrible 1980s Atlanta Braves virtually every summer Sunday night, okay? And, and I sort of feel like I know something about those teams because I followed them so carefully. 
But then I come in contact with somebody who like knows Dale Murphy's career batting average or how many wins Phil Necro has, and I realize that I'm just like a casual fan, right? And maybe that's happened to you. You thought you knew something, and then you come in contact with somebody who really is an expert, and you realize, I don't know that much at all. I got a lot to learn. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it's good for us to recognize what we don't know because it exposes that maybe there's an opportunity for us to grow. There's an opportunity for us to learn something that we don't know. And that can even be true in our faith, but sometimes I think we're a little resistant to that. Maybe because when we think about our faith, some of us just sort of feel like we know enough. Now, none of us would say, hey, I'm a Bible scholar. I could write a commentary on the book of Philippians. But, but we might say, well, you know what? I, I know the basics. And, and surely the basics are enough. Like if you gave me a, a problem to solve, like what's right and what's wrong? What's morally right? What's morally wrong? What's a sin and what's not a sin? I could probably pass that test. I, I know what sins are, and I know I'm supposed to avoid them, so... That's, that's one of the basics, and I think that's good enough. Or, or we might be able to say, I, I know Jesus is God's Son. I know He died on a cross for my sins. I know He was raised from the dead. That's like the basics, right? That, that's enough. Because of that, I've put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. I've been baptized just like Leah was this morning, and, and that's enough, right? Well, at one level, it is enough. Because putting our faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, and being baptized into Him really is the New Testament plan for how do we come to the point of salvation? How do we know that we're going to spend eternity in heaven? That's the core of it. But is that all we're called to know? Is that the end of our growing in Christ? I want us to think about that question today. And to do that, I want us to look to the book of Colossians. It's one of Paul's letters. We were in Colossians last week, as a matter of fact. And in Colossians, we have this great instruction. It's a church that Paul never visited, but he wrote to. And he wrote to them because Paul was in prison. And in these moments, Paul didn't know exactly what was going to happen to him. He knew he was going to face trial. And he might be released, but he also might be executed because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, when you are in a Roman prison... They didn't provide what you needed. Someone had to bring you things like, well, the basic needs, like food. And the Colossians had sent some aid to Paul while he was in prison. They had heard about Paul. They knew of Paul and how he had shared the message of Jesus with so many people. And so they wanted to take care of him. So they sent aid to Paul. And Paul writes this letter back in part to say thanks and to give them some encouragement and instruction. So here we come to the end of chapter 1. And what we find is Paul sort of laying out, okay, I know I'm in prison. I know I'm facing trial. He knew all of that stuff. But what's amazing about Paul is he didn't let that stop him. My guess is if someone came and arrested me because I was preaching this morning and took me off to jail, I would get pretty discouraged pretty fast. And maybe Paul faced some of that discouragement, but what Paul decided was his ministry was not over because he had been arrested. Paul decided that there was still work to to, to do, and while he couldn't go out and 
And his ministry had really been to spread the message of Jesus to people who had never heard it before, especially the Gentiles. He couldn't do that anymore. What Paul could do was write letters. And so he did. And so we, even all these years later, are continuing to study these same letters. We'll come back to that a little later. What Paul writes here is, okay, here's what I want to accomplish. And he's talking about Jesus, and that reminds him of the goals that he still has for himself and his ministry while he's in prison. And we pick that up in Colossians chapter 1, right at the end of the chapter, verse 28. Here's what Paul says. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, there are several key words that show up in that verse that I want us to take apart for just a few minutes. The first of them is the word proclaim. Paul says that he's out there to proclaim the message of Jesus. Now, what is proclaiming? Well, it's sort of the same as what we're doing today. It's preaching. But Paul's proclaiming was especially among those who had not heard. And so here's Paul. He's a Jew. The, the beginnings of the church were all Jewish. Jesus is a Jew. The earliest disciples are Jewish. But the gospel begins to spread like wildfire among non-Jews, among Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire. And so Paul has gone among them sharing the message of Jesus, proclaiming it. His goal in proclaiming was to bring people to the point of faith in Jesus as Lord. Okay, that's pretty important. That's helping them come to the point that they know that Jesus provides salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, so that they could make a decision to follow Jesus. That's what Paul's proclamation, preaching, was all about. But what Paul makes clear in this verse is that that was not the end. Paul's goal was not just to bring people to the point of making the decision to follow Jesus. I mean, that, he wanted to do that. That was a big part of his ministry. But it wasn't the end of his ministry. Because he goes on to say that he does two more things. First of all, to admonish. Well, what does it mean to admonish? In the New Testament, if we look at this, at this word, at its root, what we find is an ethical or moral meaning. Okay? So what Paul is doing is not just bringing people to the point of a decision, but then teaching them that their actions matter. Now we see all kinds of examples of that, both in Paul's preaching and his ministry recorded in Acts, but especially in his letters, where Paul will lay out, here's a list of things you avoid, and here's a list of things that you pursue. The ones you avoid are sins. The ones you pursue are things that will bring you closer to to God. All right? So there's this moral aspect of admonishing someone. And so to help them grow in their faith, Paul is showing them how they should interact with other people, the actions that they should pursue. Right? So Paul is always concerned with not just bringing people to a decision to follow Jesus, but showing them the life that they should live. Third word, teaching. It's a more general word. But for Paul, teaching always involved teaching Jesus. 
Paul wanted people to believe the right things about who Jesus was, about the very nature of God. So he's proclaiming Jesus, bringing them to the point of decision. He's admonishing them to do the right things. And Paul is also teaching them what they should believe about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, each other, the Bible, all those things, okay? So Paul has this fully framed ministry that's more than just a decision, but helping people grow. And we see that as Paul points to his purpose at the end of the verse where he says he wants to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Hear what he says there? He wants them to grow. Now it takes a while to mature, doesn't it? We don't go from baby to adult in six months. It takes a long time. Whenever we think of a maturing process, clearly evident in our minds is something that happens over time. And that's true for us as Christians as well. We do not come to a point of being fully mature overnight. In fact, that maturing process takes a lifetime. We spend our lives growing in this relationship with God that we have only because of what Jesus has done and because God fills us with his spirit. It is a process. And so we allow God's word to proclaim, to admonish, to teach. Now one more thing I want to note about this verse. I'm going to read it again and emphasize a few words as we go along. Paul says, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. You see those every and all. This is an all-encompassing ministry. Paul is saying, like a coach, he wants everyone, the whole team, to get to the finish line. Paul doesn't want to leave anyone behind because for Paul, the Christian life, ministry is always relational. Paul never talks about the Christian life being lived in isolation, as though we are somehow independent agents, okay? For, for Paul, it is always the community of faith. It is always the church, the family of God. We need each other. We do this together. And so Paul is always concerned about people. What do we read at the beginning of Paul's letters and at the end of Paul's letters? There are a couple of exceptions, but most of the time, Paul lists a bunch of people who are with him, who are working with him, and then he prays for a bunch of people at the end of the letter in the church that he's sending the letter to. Why? Because he cares about people. People matter. He wanted them to grow in this relationship with God. It always has a relational aspect for Paul. Okay? I want us to also look at verse 29. Paul says, to this end, okay, this is my goal, I strenuously contend with all, here's that word again, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul's saying, listen, I can't do this by myself. This ministry that God has given me is something that will be fulfilled only because God is at work. And Paul says he is strenuously contending, like he's giving it everything he's got with the power of God at work in him. Paul recognized that for him, and it's true for us, we just can't do all of this on our own. And so here's Paul under arrest, in prison, 
still contending for the gospel. And how's he doing it? He's writing these letters that God's empowering him to write. Now, what's interesting to me is, Paul, I wonder if he felt his ministry was limited. Because he couldn't go out and speak. He couldn't interact with nearly as many people. But he wrote letters. And then people began to share these letters. And 2,000 years later, we are still being challenged by the same letters that God has used in the lives of so many people to mature them in their faith. That's powerful to me. So what does all this teach us? If we boiled it down to one thing, it would be that you always have room to grow. You always have room to grow. God is calling you into a deeper relationship with him. And the Christians around you are there to be part of that as well. Here's the good news for us. God wants you to know him better. Okay? Wherever you are on this process of faith, whatever you've grown through already, God still wants you to know him better. Okay? He already knows you. In fact, he couldn't know you any better than he already does because he created you. He knows everything that you've done. He's been watching your whole life. He knows everything that's gone through your mind, good or bad. God knows you completely, but he wants you to know him better. He wants you to grow in a relationship with him. And so he's given us resources to do that. One of those resources is his word, like the letters of Paul like the Gospels that tell the story of Jesus, the prophecies that point to the future, all the great resources that we have right here available to us, but we've got to study it. We've got to learn from it. We've got to grow. And he's given us each other. As I said, we never see in the New Testament Christians who have decided to live the Christian life in isolation. It's always done in community. It's always done together, because we help one another, because we can encourage one another. We all bring something different to the table. We all have differing levels of knowledge, things that we know. We all have different experiences that have spoken into our lives as Christians, and we can challenge one another to grow in our faith because of what we bring to the table. And so, that really is what the Beyond Churchwide Study is all about. You know, I'm looking forward to that. We've been, Zach and I have been working on this for months, literally, preparing the messages and the lessons that we're going to be teaching, and we are ready to get it started. So, Beyond begins two weeks from today. And what it's going to entail is us coming together on Sunday mornings in our gathering when we come together as a church for worship. And Zach and I will be teaching along the way these lessons that help us see that God can move beyond the limitations that we place on him and on our own lives, our faith, our strength, all of that. And then we'll come back together on Sunday evening, and Zach and I will be teaching together in that setting. And we'll also have some discussion groups so that we can grow together. This is about growing in our relationship with God and about growing with one another as well. 
So we'll have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Sunday evening will involve activities for all ages. Everyone can be part of this. But we also have daily devotions that we've written to go all the way through the Beyond Churchwide study. So if you want to get access to some of that, the website is on the screen right now. You can also just go to the church website, click Beyond Churchwide Study. Either way, but we need you to register for that so we can plan accordingly. And there you can download the devotions or sign up. They can come by email, whichever you prefer. But this is going to involve Sundays, the rest of the week, sort of all-encompassing as a church. But beyond is really just the beginning. Because in 2020, we're going to launch a life group program for our church, an opportunity for us to form groups where we can walk through life together, where we can grow in relationship with God and with each other. Because it is never enough for us to come together, to gather for worship for one hour, and that's sort of be it. We all need more than that, and life groups are going to be our opportunity to provide more. So I encourage you to be listening for the details that are coming for the beginning of next year as we we launch into a life group program. But for today, God's calling you into a deeper relationship with Him. God wants you to know Him better. And He's going to use His Word to do that. He's going to use His interaction with you in life. And He's going to use the people around you this morning. So we need to grow in our relationship with Him. We need to grow in our relationships with each other. And I encourage you over the next few weeks, take advantage of the opportunities that are going to be out there for you to grow. Because we always have room to grow. Let's pray together. God, help us to grow. We never want to be content with where we are with you. We want to know you better. So God, lead us in that direction. Help us to be strong enough to reach out and admit what we don't know and admit our our need for each other and for you. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing one more song this morning, worship a little bit more, and then we'll be dismissed.